Hi friends, I'm Katherine Means. Welcome to Unlearning the Narrative of Singleness. You are listening to episode five, Single Isn't Second Best. This podcast is for you if you have a single loved one, if you are endeavoring to raise teenagers in a relationship-obsessed culture, if you are a leader in the body of Christ, and last but certainly not least, a single person yourself. Come along as we expose the idol the church has made of marriage by unlearning the narrative of singleness. We aren't unlearning for the sake of being divisive in an ever-segmented, fractured, and divided world, but to cast a vision for what a whole body of Christ could look like if we stopped elevating marriage, all while ignoring the largest unreached people group in our communities, the single adult. Changing the culture isn't easy, but it starts out with the words we use and the stories we tell. Let's learn to tell a new story about singleness together. Hey friends, I'm so excited to have you for this conversation with my new friend, author C.E. White. But before we get into it, I want to make sure you know how to find me outside of this corner of the internet. My website is a great first start, and while you're there, go ahead and sign up for my bi-monthly newsletter. You can find the link in the show notes. The culture changers who are subscribed to my newsletter are the first ones to get updates, any fun news I have to share, and general musings about life. I'd love to connect with you there. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook as at Catherine Means. Also, if you are listening to this on Spotify, did you know I have questions for you attached to every episode? One of the reasons I ask these questions is because I genuinely want to curate this podcast to what you need in order to unlearn the narrative of singleness in your own life, but also in the culture of the church. I would love to hear from you so we can learn from one another. Okay, last bit of housekeeping. If you have listened to the first four episodes of Unlearning and they have been helpful and meaningful to you, I would be so grateful if you would rate and review the podcast. This conversation about singleness only grows big enough to change the culture if there are many of us having the same conversation. When you rate and review and subscribe, it gets the podcast in front of more people and that translates into encouraging and changing more hearts. Thank you for being here, friends. Now let's get into it. Today, I'm joined by my new friend, Connie White, better known as author C.E. White. An author for every age, Connie has published a children's book, When Your Dragon is Too Big for a Bath, two middle grade fantasies, and two adult nonfiction books, Trusting God When You're Struggling, and the inspiration for today's conversation, Single Isn't Second Best. Connie is thoughtful with approachable wisdom and passionate about God's Word. I pray you are as encouraged by this conversation as I was. Let's get into it. Hey friends, I'm joined with Connie White. Connie is an author, better known as C.E. White um, when she's an author. But I met Connie at the Hope Writers Conference uh, in November and uh, she was in my Georgia group. And so um, Connie, tell us a little about yourself and what you love about life. Well, um, I am an author, as you said, I've written five books and uh, various genres. Um, I can't pick one. So I have children's books and middle grade books and um, adult Christian nonfiction. I am married. I, um, my husband and I live in the mountains of North Georgia with our two cats. 
And uh, we also are entrepreneurs. So I do the administration and bookkeeping for our businesses. And um, other than that, I also run a Facebook group called Virtual Coffee for Women Authors, um, just as kind of a support network because writing can be lonely. And I have a Facebook group for a daily devotion that I write as well called A Light in the Dark, uh, Daily Thoughts on Faith and Life with C.E. White. So yeah. that's kind of a, a look at my daily tasks and, and life. Yeah. Well, I want to call your attention to something that you said in a private conversation where you said, I don't have enough brain space to do all the things. Girl, that is a lot. <laughs> Well, thanks. I, I think sometimes I forget that I kind of, I, I think that I don't have a job because it's not an official nine to five since we work yeah. for ourselves, but it is a job. And I, I kind of forget that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I brought you on because I wanted to talk about your Christian nonfiction adult book. Um, and it is called Single Isn't Second Best. And you co-wrote this book with Philip Wilder. And as a married woman, I have to know why on earth was it in your heart to write this book about singleness? The subtitle is shifting the perspective on Christian singleness. So why was it important for you to shift the perspective on Christian singleness as a married woman? Well, I I didn't get married till I was 33. So to date, the bulk of my adult life was as a single Mm-hmm. Um, but even when I was single, um, I felt like, man, we're not doing this right. <laughs> like I, mm. I, I was engaged twice when I was young and I broke it off both times. And I think that sort of knocked marriage off its pedestal for me. I still wanted to be married, but it wasn't the the desperate thing that I saw most of my peers doing. Mm-hmm. And I wanted more for us. I thought I hated watching them change themselves to try to accommodate someone else and compromise and settle for people who weren't good for them Mm. and, and not put intentional effort into like the rest of their lives. It was, it was so all consuming to so many of my peers, male and female to find the, the significant other to escape what they saw as this terrible time of singleness. And I think that's not what the Lord has for us. He wants us to be intentional in every part of our lives, no matter where he puts us. And um, so it it took me a while to actually decide that it was time to write that book, but it was time. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. I mean, and that has been my experience. I have not wanted the thing for so long that it just made me miserable. It really Uh did. And I was Uh literally missing my life. Uh Um, And you don't get to push rewind. Right. You don't. And, and how dishonoring is it to the Lord that we would wish away our one Mm -hmm. and only life because what he has ordained for us to live is just not cutting it. Yeah. Um, That's so good. Yeah. And another thing I've learned is that nobody gets the life they planned for. Like everybody has something that's like, this isn't what I planned. This isn't what I wanted. It's not what I hoped for. We all have to choose at some point to live the life we have instead of the one we don't. And yeah. I think that's huge. Um, we all have to do it for our own thing. Now, I, I talk like I got over the the desperation of, of getting married pretty young. And I, and I did. 
but I had my own thing that I had to overcome that with. Mm -hmm. And I love, there's an Oswald Chambers quote and I always forget exactly how it goes, but um, basically he says, um, never say you're of no use where you are because you certainly can't be of any use where you're not like, yeah, this is where we are. So we can choose to be intentional about making a good godly use of this place. We are wherever Mm -hmm. that is or not. Yeah. That's good. So uh, let's just dive right in to uh, your book. So um, your one of your chapters was God is enough. And on page 97, um, let's, I'm going to get there. I want to talk about this because this book is such a good resource, but I have lived this book really. Like I've come into my own and I know single isn't second best now. So this, I was like, I have never thought about this before and I have to talk to her about it. Uh, but you're talking about, it says the Bible says repeatedly that the Lord is our portion and our portion is always enough. It's exactly what we need at the moment. And it's not going to look the same as someone else's. And then I'm jumping down a paragraph. The circumstances each of us need in order to be filled with God's presence, hear his voice and grow closer to him are unique. What we are jealous of in another's life is their portion, what they need, not what you do. And as someone who, I mean, I have been in so many weddings (laughs) and I mean, literally, and and I've gone to so many baby showers and I've Mm -hmm. thrown bridal showers and baby showers. And, and I really tried hard for the most part, not to be jealous in the moment, Mm -hmm. but that's just, it's kind of impractical to think that we're going to, well, listen, I'm about to talk to myself. I'm about to preach to myself (laughs) in the world and in the flesh. It would seem very impractical not Mm -hmm. to be jealous of something like that when we want it. Uh, in the spirit, all things are possible. We cannot be jealous, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're jealous of another por- person's portion, mm-hmm. not our own. And thinking, oh, this thing that I'm jealous of is not actually something that I need. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about that. How did you get there? What? Because I that resonates with me. And because now at 41, I know I don't need a husband. Mm -hmm. I know I don't need that. I don't, I know I don't need kids. I would like them, right? but I don't need them. So talk to me about how you landed there. Well, first of all, I'll say, you said, how did you get there? And I will say that I'm, I didn't, I'm not there (laughs) like (laughs) any, just like anything, they are words that I believe and I, I try to live them out, but I still struggle with it too. Mm -hmm. You know, seeing somebody else and, um, what they have and wishing that I had that it's a thing that we all fight in one area or another. Mm -hmm. Um, so even the the other day I was looking at someone's situation and comparing unfavorably and Jesus brought John 21 to mind, which at first I thought was totally unrelated And then it hit me because that's the verses where um, Jesus essentially tells Peter he's going to be martyred, at -hmm. which point Peter, in in true Peter fashion, turns around and points at John and says, well, what about him? (laughs) (laughs) And Jesus responds with what amounts to, that's none of your business. You follow me. (laughs) 
And um, so he, that's a really great passage, but it so calls you out whenever you're in that moment of being jealous of, of, of worrying about what somebody else has versus your own journey. Mm. Because I was that day, I was looking at someone else's journey and being like, well, why did they get that journey? And Jesus was like, none of your business, mind your own business and follow me. Wow. And I was like, okay, okay, got it. So first it's, of all, we all need to take our eyes off of other people's lives and put them on Jesus. Yes, absolutely. I had, there's this new song that I love. Well, I don't know that it's new, but it's newish to me. Um, I'm going to butcher her name. So I'm just going to pretend I, I've already said it, but the name of the song oh. is preferences. And there's a line in the song that says, offend my heart. No, offend my mind to reveal my heart. Mm-hmm. I won't worship my preferences anymore. And so it, that is like, it's offensive to my mind that God would see fit to give something that I want to another person Mm -hmm. or even for Peter, God bless him. I mean, basically John, now John didn't escape hardships, but he died as an old man, Mm -hmm. you know, like he lived a full life and Jesus is like, don't worry about him. That's none of your business. Mm-hmm. You're going to die a horrible death. That's your portion. That mm-hmm. is offensive to my mind. Right. Sure. But it's meant to reveal our heart. I don't know when we, we got it in our head that uh, we were just going to live a hunky dory, beautiful, <laughs> glorious life when we chose Jesus yeah. or in yeah. a, in a better, I think um, it's also important to remember that the Bible says no good thing does he withhold from those who walk is blameless. So if we're following the Lord, he's going to give us good things. And it also says that if we ask him for bread, he will not give us a stone. So if he is withholding something from me, or that is my perception, I can presume that it wouldn't be good for me. And if what he gives me seems like a stone, then I don't have the understanding necessary to appreciate that gift yet. So I think of myself like a toddler in comparison to God. Um, Most toddlers always want candy. They would eat it constantly if someone would keep giving it to them, but that's not good for their bodies or their future development. So, but, and they don't understand that broccoli is better than candy in all the important ways. They just know that vegetables don't taste as good. So we want a lot of things that would not be good for us in the long run. And God withholds them for our good. And he gives me something that in the moment might not seem as appetizing, but is good for my growth and development in the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. That's so good, Connie. It's so good. It goes on on page 99 when you say, if we have chosen the good portion, Jesus himself, He will not allow it to be taken from us. People not following Christ don't have this assurance. Like, so it makes sense in the world that people would be ruled by jealousy and they would make decisions out of jealousy, but we are called to a higher purpose. But I really feel like the body of Christ looks too much like the world in this area. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? It absolutely does. Um, I was actually read this verse unrelated to what, what's in the book um, and what you're reading was first Corinthians 15:32, where Paul says, if from human motives, I fought the wild beasts at Ephesus, what good is it to me? If the dead are not raised, let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Mm. Um, 
So that is the mind of the world. Most of the world lives like they believe that this matter that we see around us in this world that we can touch is all there is. And yeah. and so they might as well do whatever they want if that's all there is. Yeah. But we know it isn't all there is. And I think th- there is a disconnect because we don't act like we yeah. believe that there's more than this. I think um, people, Christians in general, don't understand heaven and eternity in the way that we really need to, to live the way that Christ tells yeah. us to live. And um, we've made it in talk, some sort of like filmy, insubstantial thing that is maybe kind of good, but also maybe a little weird. And, you know, as yeah. opposed to the thing that says, like, it's beyond our imagination is what the Bible yeah. says. Like, you can't uh, imagine the wonders you will find there. Mm-hmm. And I, I can imagine some crazy wonders. So the <laughs> fact that I it tells me I can't even imagine how wonderful it is means yeah. I'm, you know, this uh, weird uh idea we have of how unfulfilling heaven might be is just ridiculous Mm -hmm. um and i think that we have to learn what eternity means and it is that eternal weight of glory on a scale against this light suffering and affliction that on that scale against the light affliction and the weight of glory the light affliction doesn't even register on the scale and We won't wake up in heaven and wish we had um, had a chance to do all these things. We will wake up in heaven and be like, man, I wish I hadn't wasted so much time thinking about all that stupid stuff. That 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 world is going to be far far more real than this world. Mm -hmm. Well, it already is. I say that a lot. Like, yes, realer than the disappointment, realer than the biggest celebration we've ever had in this life is what is waiting for us and it existed before we existed as a world just that Mm -hmm. that relationship and that triune God communing with one another I mean that existed before anything and we have been invited to take part in that so which leads me to the next chapter that I want to talk about. And also I love the facts because I have just been reading this. You literally said like almost verbatim, one of my favorite lines. And I was like, oh my gosh, this oh, really? lives in her. <laughs> nice. It lives in her. I love it so much. Um, so on page 143, you talk about uh, the fear of missing out. And I have written about this and I love so much, like, you know, we, we want to get married and we want to experience family and, and having babies and all of that, but there's this fear of missing out. And I think what, what we don't say all the time in the body of Christ is we don't really speak in complete sentences and part of unlearning the narrative of singleness is, okay, well, let's start speaking in complete sentences. The truth is I am missing out, uh-huh. right? Like to not be married and to not be a mom, like th- those are things I'm missing out on, but also uh-huh. married moms don't get to sleep until eight 30 on a Saturday morning. Right. So like, I mean, we're not going to get like, to your point earlier, nothing's perfect. So I would love to talk, uh, like to hear more of, of this fear of missing out. And 
and that, you know, this world is not our home. And so we don't have to really, while it's true, I am missing out mm-hmm. it's, to your point earlier. It's just for a brief time. Right. So, and it's okay to break to, to grieve missing out on those things. Yeah. I, I, God is not uh, immune to our sorrows and that thing. He speaks all over the Bible about, you know, weeping with the barren and, and mm. that kind of thing. So it's not, it's not wrong to have those feelings or to feel like you're missing out, mm-hmm. but yeah, we don't ahead. live in the fear of missing out. That's, we don't mm-hmm. stay there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really think like, of course, fear of missing out is a huge trick of Satan in our world at large today, um, to tempt us to disobedience. And I think of Eve in the garden. Mm-hmm. That was the very first thing he did was give her the fear of missing out. Yeah. He told her that God was withholding something from her that was good. And she was missing out by obeying him. And she, Eve had the perfect existence. Mm. And Satan was still able to convince her that she was missing out on something. Mm. So we tell ourselves that if our circumstances were perfect and wonderful, we would be happy. It wouldn't be a problem to obey. But that's not true because that's what Satan does. Mm. He twists our reality to make us think that we are living some terrible thing instead of looking at all the good things we have. Um, and, And he wants us to focus on our lack instead of our you know, what God's given us. Um, and whatever he's telling us we're lacking will inevitably make our lives worse than Mm -hmm. if we pursue it, than just obeying God and and not pursuing that thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think also the end of living by the fear of missing out is never being satisfied in anything because there's always another exciting, fun, something thing that you might be able to do and oh my gosh I need to do that or else my life is not complete because what if I missed out on the thing that is the most yeah. fun and that's a ridiculous way to live your life because we can't do everything yeah. like the reality of life is that we have to make choices and sometimes choices are made for us mm-hmm. and that's where we have to live and so how can we make sure we're not missing out on what God does have us here the only way to do that is by following Jesus mm-hmm. um you know, I can't see my life from start to finish, but he can. And I don't know the best way to spend my time for like the maximum effect, eternal effect that he has put me on this earth to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, Ephesians 2.10 says that he created us for good works that he prepare, prepared in advance for us. And only by following him can I be sure that I'm walking out those good works. Yeah. And so... Fear of missing out is going to have you chasing all kinds of things that are probably not very meaningful. And also um, it's Satan trying to keep us discontented. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, godliness with contentment is great gain. Yeah. He, the word says, and if our contentment is not set in following Jesus, no matter what the world tries to tell us we need to do, then our godliness is going to be on really shaky ground because we're always going to be looking at what somebody else has or what somebody else gets. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, uh, there's so many wrong ways that that can take us. In addition to the fact that I read something today that said, sometimes the grass is greener on the other side because it's fake. No. <laughs> 
You know, I mean, we because live astroturf and nobody wants to walk on astroturf. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Oh, sorry. I oh, a lot. No, 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 no. It's good. And it reminds me because that, that point of, you know, FOMO and fear of missing out in the, the conversation of singleness that's dropped right in the middle of your chapter. This world is not our home. Mm-hmm. And it's reminding me, this conversation is reminding me. Um, I listened to um, a podcast with John Mark Comer on it um, this morning. And that man can talk about eternity and, and, and spiritual formation in spiritual disciplines to get us ready to co-heir with Christ for eternity over the universe for an hour or more. And (laughs) I would just be, I would just be soaking it up. Like, tell me more Um, because it's in him and he believes it. And I think Mm -hmm. you were absolutely right. I mean, we don't, we're not taught about what heaven or eternity future looks like. I mean, you know, I was, I worked in student ministry for six years and I would talk to my kids about, Hey, you know, I'm excited to die and go to heaven and be in the presence of God, but really that's the waiting room. Mm -hmm. What I can't wait for is the millennial reign. Like that's Mm -hmm. what I'm excited for. And I don't even know what we're going to do after the millennial reign. What's that about? Right. (laughs) What comes after that? (laughs) Like, I don't even know, but but I think if we could get a hold of that, that verse, like eternity future, Catherine is going to look back on her singleness and think of it as, but a vapor, mm-hmm. like it's going to be of absolutely no consequence whatsoever. Okay. And that is empowering. So yeah. if she is going to think that then, then why can't I instruct my heart to feel that right now and trust my father. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really important for our single friends to yeah. hear and latch onto. And like you said, there's a, there's an area for grief. Absolutely. You can't actually be as excited as I am for that unless you have grieved it because Definitely. it wouldn't, be true and authentic, especially uh-huh. if you wanted it, like yeah. with every fiber of your being, like I did. Right. Um, so living the life you have, um, you said on page 157, I hear young adults say things like, I just want to get married and start my life. And I want to tell them this is your life. So get in there and live it. So tell them. <laughs> tell them Connie what would you say (laughs) um I do try to tell them so um well I think that society tells us that romantic love is how we are validated Mm. so there's that philosophy question if a tree falls in the forest does it make a sound yeah which I've always thought was a dumb question because obviously it makes a sound and it But that question holds within it our fear that we don't matter unless somebody else is observing and seeing and hearing and caring about what happens in our lives at every moment. And that's just not true. I I know for me, you know, having been single till 33, there are a million 
hugely impactful moments in my life that happened when I was alone. And they, yes, they had ripples out into the rest of my life and still do. And um, we, it's just a matter of, we're still trying to validate ourselves with something in this world. We want to feel wanted and we want to feel loved. So many of us haven't gotten to the point where we understand how loved and how chosen we are Mm. in Christ. And um, if we get there, Mm-hmm. This doesn't even matter. Um, and I, I think I think that honestly, I had gotten there before I got married, which I think really helps my marriage because it, it takes the pressure off of me expecting him to constantly feed this need for me to feel validated yeah. and loved. Yeah. Um, which was never his to me. No. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So I think it's about learning to trust how good and loving and and wonderful God really is, um, which requires spending time with him in yeah. the word. You have prayer. to know him. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Hey, I didn't tell you, I was going to ask you this question because I didn't think about it until just okay. a little bit ago. <laughs> um, what, what would you say as a married Christ follower to other married Christ followers about how we can all start to unlearn the narrative of singleness and marriage so that it's not as hard to pull yourself out of the pits that society says, oh, well, you are less than because you're not married. And how, how can the church begin to look very different from the world in this area? I think it's about recognizing how much the church has idolized marriage Mm. in the first place, because even um, there are so many conversations I see among Christian people where they're clearly still idolizing their relationship and their spouse um, in in an unhealthy way uh, above Christ and putting pressure on their spouse that that person was never designed to be able to fill Mm-hmm. the hole that they're trying to get that person to fill. And it just, I think if we could understand um, our wholeness in Christ, then our, our marriages would be stronger because we would yeah. stop. We wouldn't be putting so much pressure on one another to fill mm-hmm. that hole. Um, and I think that's the thing that even when you know, it's hard not to do because it's right. what we see. So but even I think there's some people who don't even recognize the problem. Um, they sure. think they are supposed to put their spouse on this pedestal mm-hmm. and and make them everything in their lives. And it it causes problems for, you know, not only their spouse and their relationship, but for the church at large, because it does um, put singles on the outskirts. Mm-hmm. Um, because also we're supposed to all be the body of Christ. And if you are yeah. putting your spouse and your, your uh, family with your children, your, uh, your immediate circle as on this pedestal, well, you're usually locking out anyone else out of that circle. So yeah. the, the singles who should have been brought into that, you know, the proverb says the solitary will be brought into a home. Ooh. And if, if we're making our, unit families so tight that nobody can get into that. Well, we're not fulfilling that word of the Lord. We're supposed to be not just a family in 
in figurative speech, but we're supposed to be a real family. Yeah, that's good. Hey, as a almost 42 year old single woman, (laughs) thank you. I mean, truly thank you for not getting married and, you know, it could, it would have been so easy to just go on and be married and be a part of, you know, the married church. Uh, but you really went out on a limb and you wrote true Holy spirit filled words. And I am so thankful that this book exists because, you. you know, I've read other books by, um, married people about singleness and, to be completely honest, I was a little nervous <laughs> about well, I understand that. I understand what, that. what could two married people tell me about singleness? Um, but you guys get it. You really get it. And I'm so thankful that this book exists in the world. So thank you for doing the hard work. Well, thank you for saying that. I think that, I mean, that was really our goal. And I, I do also think that there's a, a, part of being married that gives you the ability to have a perspective from both sides. You know, you can speak to um, that idolization of marriage because you can be like, okay, it's not the fantasy we all dreamed it was, even when it's good, you know? So um, it was definitely, definitely something God put on both of our hearts. Well, as we close, I have asked Connie to read a favorite passage from chapter six and chapter six is called apologizing on behalf of the church. And so I'm just going to let you read to us. All right. So this is one of the segments of apologies. um, And we talked to a lot of singles as we were working on this book. So Mm -hmm. many singles commented that they felt unseen in the church. One said she felt like just another number, but later added, I misspoke because the reality is many times that I felt invisible. It's far too easy for singles to slip in and out of church without anyone ever speaking to them, much less in taking the time to engage and get to know them. I talked with a 30-something wife and mother who asked how she could engage the singles in her church. Someone suggested inviting them to dinner, and the idea had never occurred to her. I assumed people wouldn't be interested in coming to dinner with a couple of old fogies like me and my husband with our younger kids, she said. Would you have gone if a married couple invited you just to eat, play cards? And the answer from multiple singles was a resounding absolutely. Though some did say they'd feel more comfortable and less intimidated if there were more than one single or if they were given the option to bring a friend. But I remember what it was like to move to a new city with no family and try to figure out my place in general, not just at our church. If I had a married couple invite me for a meal, it would have been extremely meaningful, like I mattered and I wasn't separate from them because I was single. And if they'd gone a step further and taken me under their wing, it would have felt like I had an extra family, like maybe I'd have someone to eat Thanksgiving dinner with if I couldn't get off work to travel home or like maybe if my car broke down, I'd have someone to call. In other words, it would have felt like the body of Christ. It's so hard to put yourself out there when it's just you. So I'm sorry the church hasn't met you in this difficulty, taken the initiative, gotten to know you, and given you enough opportunities to be part of the unity of the body of Christ as individuals. I'm sorry individuals don't recognize your need for community. Mm, That's beautiful. (laughs) Um, And I'm trying to keep it together. I read that, but having you read it, (laughs) um, I, I mean, like there's a resounding yes at the end of that from me, just a, 
a huge yes. Um, I have been out of um, church longer than COVID was a thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, where COVID made it okay for us to sit on our couch and worship the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't miss a service on my couch, um, but I don't have community because of that, Mm -hmm. Um, like a large amount of community. And so my first time back was yesterday, literally. Um, My counselor, the Holy Spirit, and I say that it's time and I'm doing the hard work of making myself vulnerable and going and being the first one to speak, even though I'm the new one there. And um, I'm learning what it is to be a mature Christ follower. Um, This is hard for me. It's really hard for me. It is Uh, hard. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also necessary And I can't, this can't be what the Lord has me about and Mm -hmm. I not try again. Right. And so um, anyway, I'm just thankful and really encouraged. Yeah. Uh, Well, I really hope that I I feel like there are so many voices uh, talking about this issue separately right now, kind of screaming mm -hmm. out into the void that I'm hoping that there can be some sort of collaboration where we all shout together and the church will actually hear us. So, because it is a thing that until the church at large gets the idea, it is, uh, the the burden is still on the single to do it for themselves. And it is such a hard thing. And I understand that. And I'm sorry. Well, I accept your apology. And I think you've more than made up for it in writing this book and providing this resource. So where can people find you on all things social My website is cewhitebooks.com. And that is also my Instagram and Facebook at cewhitebooks. And you can find Philip at philipwilder.com or on Instagram at philip underscore wilder underscore author. Okay. And I have not talked to him about this. We have not actually officially met, but (laughs) filler invitation (laughs) to come and join us because I would love to talk to you about your chapters as well. He would love to do it. I guarantee it. And the book Uh, is also available on Amazon and, and, you know, places like that as well. Yeah. Connie, you mentioned maybe soon we, you know, all the voices can get together. Um, And I don't know, a little birdie told me that maybe there's plans in the works. Yes. So we are at the very early stages of planning a virtual summit on Christian singleness. Um, We haven't even had the official first planning meeting yet, but we have been um, gathering ideas for speakers and uh, we're in talks. Um, So hopefully sometime in April, there will be a virtual conference on Christian singleness um, well, with that, tons of speakers. That's our that goal. It's really soon in April. Okay. <laughs> so what I'm hearing you say is everybody needs to go immediately follow both you and Philip on social yes. media. Yes. So, so they can know about this summit. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and your passion and, uh, and your heart towards this message. I just, I think this book needs to get into some hands and, you know, you and I were talking and, and you said maybe a couple of people would like buy this for their loved ones, but they didn't want to offend. And so 
what would you say to people um, who need this book, but either don't want to even, um, they don't even want to entertain the idea that God would call them to a life of singleness or an extended season of singleness? Well, I think that the first thing that we have to get our mindset off of the idea that singleness is bad or singleness Mm. is a punishment or singleness is something to cure. This book is going to encourage you in your singleness that you, your life is complete. You have a purpose now Mm -hmm. and that it, that it's not, um, it's not a hopeless message. It is, it is hope wherever you are right now. So um, if you're looking for encouragement, even if you want to get married, like the point is not, Oh, you have to decide now to stay single forever. The point is if you're single right now, you're single right now. Mm -hmm. And let's find the hope in that where you are. You might get married later and that's great, but you might not. And if you don't, how much more are you going to need this message? So you might have two years or you might have 40 years, but either way you want to spend those years with hope and happiness and contentment and fulfillment in Christ as Mm -hmm. instead of living in that desperation that many single people do live in always seeking for the next relationship and spending all of their time worrying about finding the next person and not being able to look at meet a, a, a someone of the opposite sex without wondering if they're a potential partner and yeah. you, you, just that constant uh, it's a constant tension in their lives that they yeah. can't get past yeah. so and i would even say for people who for those loved ones of single people who mm-hmm. want to help change the narrative mm-hmm. get this book get this yeah. book and read it um we are such slaves yeah. to feed me, feed me, feed me, meet me, meet me where I am. And, and we don't read necessarily to help somebody and to meet them where they are. And so for a parent of an adult, single child, for Mm -hmm. friends or, um, or church leaders that want to know how to love and support their single church members, read this book. It is packed full of truth. It's going to, it's going to expand your box. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that um, there are a ton of things that if, you know, people who just have single friends, which is most people yes. or family um, would read this book, they would be like, Oh, I didn't realize I was hurting my single friend or family exactly. in that way. You know? um, and even it, there's so many like little things that are just like little jabs all mm-hmm. the time for single people. And you were talking about going to church finally again and Mm -hmm. starting to try to put yourself out there, which is a huge, uh, a huge difficult thing to do. You're just you. It's hard when Mm -hmm. it's just you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can say, yes, I'm married, but okay. So my husband does the video for the church. So I always am sitting by myself Mm -hmm. or my mother-in-law goes there. So I I sit with her, but, but people don't necessarily know we're related. And so anyway, Mm -hmm. so I, multiple times I will introduce myself to new people and they'll be like, Oh, the first question, are you married? And I'm like, why is this the first question? Like Always. It, every single if time. If I wasn't, if I wasn't married, that would not, I would not want that to be the first question. Yeah. I would be like, it would either be a gut punch. Like, yes, I would love to be married, but no, I'm not. Thank you for asking and making mm. me think about it. Or it would be, no, I'm not. And I'm really happy not 
being married. So why does that have to be the most important thing about my life? Yeah. So we just need to think about all the ways we are are hurting our single Christian family. Yes. Yes. I mean, I understand why that's the most important thing in the world. Yes. Because we're a sex obsessed culture. Right. And a relationship obsessed culture, but within yep. the body of Christ, that's the most important thing about me. Right. Why? Yeah. It's not even like the top 10 most important thing about me to the Lord. Right. No. And another thing talking about what you were saying earlier about like making an impact. And I, I was thinking about how, like, when you think about people who have made an impact on the kingdom of God, we don't think about whether they were married and how many kids they had. That's not a thing that even comes up when we're thinking historically about the, like anybody, missionaries and, you know, Amy Carmichael and, you know, all kinds of people that were single and made this incredible impact. And we're like, oh, it's too bad she was single. Like, nobody thinks, of, like, why do we do that to each other? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but that's, we gotta, we gotta, and that's the thing. I genuinely believe it is because people care mm-hmm. and, it is. Yeah. and, sure. and they want to communicate care and mm-hmm. like, they want to know sure, about your right. life, mm-hmm. but that's why we have to unlearn the narrative of singleness because yeah. if we can't come up with a better question, my word, mm-hmm. let's, let's get a better question yes. um, to come up with. So yeah. Okay. Well, obviously you and I could talk about this. <laughs> for a very long time and we'll we'll probably have you back for sure so oh yes friends I can't wait to hear from you on this one didn't you just love Connie's practical biblical take on shifting the perspective on Christian singleness we need more conversations like this from married Christ followers acknowledging that it isn't marriage that makes us complete but Jesus So it's okay if you don't get married as long as you have Jesus. Y'all go show her some love on Instagram and make sure you go buy this book. It's an easy read packed full of logical, biblically based arguments, which in my opinion are the best kind. And Philip, if you are listening, I was serious about having you on to talk about your chapters as well. I'll be reaching out soon. In the meantime, friends, you do not want to miss the next episode when I am joined by one of my closest friends, Christy Aiken. In a world of social media and highlight reels, we met in a Facebook group. And in one or two messages, she convinced me to download a crazy sounding app called Marco Polo to my phone. And three plus years later, the rest is history. She is my soul sister, and I am so thankful that God is sovereign, even in orchestrating a long-distance friendship. All I have to say is y'all come ready for that episode. Until then, may you catch the God of Zephaniah rejoicing over you with singing. And when you do, may his extravagant love for you speak to your heart a word that no other person ever could.